Morning, everybody. This is another edition of the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPielli.com by St. Aloysius Church in Jackson, New Jersey by Two A's One Passion Food Truck located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. We're live here in West Palm Beach, Florida as we're about to catch another spring training game. This will be the third of three and a couple different things we're going to talk about in regards to the change of the rules in Major League Baseball and how it really makes it tough for a fan to follow. I'm going to get into a little bit of NFL. Um, you're really hearing an overrating amount of talk about big-time quarterbacks getting traded, and it's just a bunch of nothing. There's really nothing to it, yet you got panels of, excuse me, three or four people that all they're doing is trying to pick and choose where they think the best fit for these quarterbacks would be. But the problem is, is they're going nowhere. We're going to start out by talking about today is Major League Baseball basically saying what they told you from the beginning, that there was not going to be a designated hitter in the National League this year. And most of you are going to sit there and act like you're surprised over it, like it's this big shock that you can't believe that the National League is going to go another season with its pitchers hitting. And the bottom line is that's what was planned to happen all along. Over time, you know, the Players Association and the MLB owners will collectively bargain that, you know, set up their next agreement. Will it include expanded playoffs? Will it, will it include a universal DH? We don't know. But it was basically stated at the beginning of this offseason that the National League was not going to have a designated hitter this year. Once again, <clears throat> most of the people that are finding out that it's definitive right now are going to act like you're all shocked. You're going to act like it's something that you never dreamed would happen. Now, we can talk about the pros and cons of the designated hitter. Listen, I'm, I've come aboard. I'm a National League purist. I'm a National League baseball fan in two past lives going back to the year of 1876. But I understand the reasons why there's going to be a universal DH in baseball. And it's <clears throat> because of the way pitching has changed. It's because of the fact that once a player, a baseball player is identified as a pitcher, they are no longer going to hit. They're not going to swing a bat. They're not even going to know what a bat is from the age of six or eight or 11 or 12. Whenever they're identified as a pitcher, they're going to become a full-time pitcher. The days of the star athlete being the shortstop and uh, on days that they're not pitching are kind of going by the wayside, especially when somebody, a pitcher, is identified as somebody that may have some some talent, maybe special, may have that ability to, no, maybe not necessarily make the major leagues, but at least play in college. They're going to identify that pitcher, and they're going to start to treat them like a pitcher. And the number one way that you treat somebody like a pitcher is to never bring them near the plate Never put a bat in their hand. Never allow them to hit. So that's something that you've seen change right before your eyes. Now, you know, when you talk about the expanded playoffs, this was something, once again, that was set as kind of a, uh, I don't know, a, a perk, 
maybe one of those little things that they kind of threw threw in as a caveat for the 2020 season, which we know was going to be truncated and the decision was made to make it 60 games. We know about the extra revenue that exists with the postseason games, whether on TBS or Fox or, you know, Fox Sports, whatever network they happen to be on. You know, it's a, a bunch of revenue that could be distributed through the players and the owners and I believe was distributed 50-50 last year. But, you know, these were all these were all things that were put to make the season last year a little bit more fun. Try to cram a little more interest in a 60-game season. But the problem was is that this was never intended to be part of this season. And I think it's pretty easy to state that. Now, I don't like being right, but it's not a matter of being right. It's a matter of listening to what was said at the beginning of the offseason when the National League was told to operate as if there was not going to be a designated hitter in the 2021 season. Did you remember that? Was that not put in writing? Was that not as clear as day as you heard it said? And I'll repeat it. The National League was intended to operate as if there was not going to be a DH in 2021. What part of that don't you understand? So now on the day of, you know, the fourth day of March 2021, we're, we're going to act all up in arms. Oh, my God, there's not going to be a DH in the National League. Like I said, this could go to that traditional discussion that you have, whether you're in favor of the DH or not in favor of the DH. Like I said, I've accepted that if pitchers aren't going to try, if pitchers are not going to take batting practice, if they're if they're not if they don't think that they have any responsibility batting to help their team, if they're not even going to try to help their team when they come up to the plate, then I think it's something that has to go by the wayside. And like I said, even the purest of DH fans, you can talk about you know any any knock you want to make against the DH. You want to say, oh, maybe it doesn't create as much jobs as, as you think. Um, a starting pitcher is going to bat, you know, maybe once a game, and then you're going to see the depth of the bench of a particular baseball team. I, I, I'm okay with the discussion about it, but the point I'm making is that the designated hitter in the National League was not going to happen this year. Should it? I think ultimately it, it will. And once again, who do I blame? I blame the changes in a game of baseball. I blame the opener. I blame the basically you know, uh, classification of a player as a pitcher and a refusal to put a bat in their hands from the youngest age as reasons why we're going to have a universal DH. So if you hate the universal designated hitter, you hate the thought of the designated hitter anywhere. You hate the fact that the designated hitter came in in the American League in 1973 and in your mind destroyed the game. I'm not blaming the designated hitter. I'm blaming pitchers and I'm blaming coaches that have forced pitchers to classify themselves as pitchers and never bat going back to the earliest of ages. This copyright broadcast is authorized under internet rights, 
granted by the World Wide Web and is solely for entertainment of our audience. Any publication or reproduction of the use of the pictures, descriptions, and accounts of this show without the express written consent of the Passball Show, JohnPielli.com, and JohnPielli LLC is prohibited. Any commercial or other use of the program, such as by charge and admission for its showing, is similarly prohibited. And of course, I give the hat tip, the respect to the, the great uh, Channel 9 WWOR uh, for using part uh, of that spiel right there. Obviously, I use my own words in it, but that spiel did belong to Channel 9 and Mets baseball for years upon years upon years. So moving on to the actual baseball that we're seeing here in Florida. Baseball has imposed some different rules that they're using in the spring this year. And I got to see two of them firsthand yesterday watching a Cardinals-Mets game down in Jupiter. The first one doesn't really bother me too much. I don't really understand why it's something that baseball felt the need to put in there. But in the end, I don't think it really bothers anybody. The first rule is the starting pitcher or the pitcher that could come in a game, be taken out of a game, and then get put back in a game. I, I don't really understand what the exact reason would be. And it's not like I need somebody to explain it. I mean, it could be any one of a number of things, and most of them probably make sense. But this is a rule that, in the end, doesn't hurt anybody. Um, the Cardinals pitcher, the left-hander, uh, Wong Hung Kim, started the game, was taken out in the first inning, and then started the second inning. I, I don't think that has any impact on the game. If a pitcher gets off to a bad start or something, you want somebody else to clean up the mess, and you want them to start another clean inning. Or if there's a particular batter that you want a pitcher to face, I, I don't have any issue with, with you doing it. Uh, you look at, and I think this says the rules, this rule will apply up through May 13th, I'm sorry, March 13th, which is another, what, week and a half away. The other rule I kind of think is a little weird because it, it, it frustrates me a little bit as a person that's out there watching the game. And I do think in the end, even if you're talking about exhibition, I think the goal in any sort of exhibition game is to execute, is to play the game the right way. And I hate to say it, anytime you're keeping score, the goal is to win the game. Now, nobody's going to go crazy about a spring training game or whether a team wins or loses. And anybody that does, either you're a degenerate gambler or you, you just have some sort of lack of connection to what a real game is and what a fake game is. Obviously, spring training in baseball, just like the preseason in the NFL or preseason games in hockey or basketball, they're, they're just that. They're for the players to get a workout in, to play the sport that they were born to play, and to get ready for the upcoming season, which you know is going to start within a, you know, about a month or so. So baseball puts in this rule to protect the pitcher. If a pitcher throws 20 or more pitches, the team in the field has the right to end the inning and end the inning just like that. Inning's over. Guy's throwing over 20 pitches. Who cares what the scenario is? Who cares how many outs there are? And I get it as you're trying to protect the pitcher, but you're talking about a situation where the Mets and Cardinals are playing. Mets have the bases loaded, one out. Malik Smith is at the plate. It's a 3-2 count. And I believe the Cardinals had already signaled that this was going to be the last batter of the inning. But ball four, 
a run gets walked in, the bases are still loaded with one out, and that ends the inning. Now, you'll get the final score, and once again, nobody cares about the final score of an exhibition game or a spring training game. So that's not what the point is here. But if you are going to implement rules like this, that can determine the score of a game, number one, and number two, whether a team wins a game or loses a game. Like I said, it doesn't matter if a team wins or loses, then maybe it's time to stop keeping score in spring training baseball games. That's probably where we're headed. Now, you could say, oh, man, that's just a, a, a weird take. Why would you not want to keep score of an exhibition game? Well, this, the results of a game and whether a team won or lost could have been compromised by a rule that allowed a team to end the inning with one out and the bases loaded. And you say the score doesn't matter. You say if a team wins or loses, that doesn't matter then maybe it's time to stop keeping score in spring training baseball games. We're going to keep the show short today. Once again, we're live here in West Palm Beach, Florida, uh, watching a little baseball. We saw the a couple Mets games. We saw Mets Astros on Tuesday. We saw in, in um, Port St. Lucie. We were in Jupiter yesterday watching the Cardinals and the Mets today. We're going to catch the Nationals and Mets in Port St. Lucie, Florida. Last thing I want to get into, I do want to bring up some NFL because this is one of the things that I've kind of been chomping at the bit to get it, get at. I understand, you know, you think of a network like ESPN as much as they have invested in pro football and the NFL, you know, to not have two or three shows a day that are talking all NFL might not be the best for ESPN. ESPN's baseball coverage has certainly taken a dump over the last several years. ESPN stopped covering hockey. So they basically got football and basketball to jam down your throat 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They have something in regards to Deshaun Watson's trade demand from the Houston Texans. They should focus on that. That should be a thing that should be spoken about day in and day out. And maybe you should hear so much of it, you're probably tired of hearing about it by now. But a couple things make it relevant. The fact that Deshaun Watson requested a trade from the Houston Texans. Number two, Deshaun Watson does not want to play for the Houston Texans anymore. He has made that statement. So because of this, you have a story. Where is Deshaun Watson going to get traded to? Other stories that don't exist? You want to talk about Russell Wilson being traded from the Seattle Seahawks? If you heard my show last week, I made a promise. If Russell Wilson is traded by the Seattle Seahawks, and you know what? If you didn't listen to that show, then maybe you should go back and listen and find out what I'll do if he does get traded. It's not happening. And then you hear about you know, other potential trades, one involving Dak Prescott. First of all, if I'm a team that's looking for a star quarterback, why am I going to trade for Dak Prescott if I'm not sure if he's 100%? You know he suffered a terrifying and ugly-looking ankle injury last year. Now, odds are he's going to get it back in the football field. Odds are he's going to play. But if I'm a team that would be thinking about adding Dak Prescott as my quarterback, am I going to make a trade right now 
when I haven't seen him play a game on a field, when I haven't seen him take one snap from the center after suffering such a horrific injury last year, I'm going to commit to him as my starting quarterback. And we know how much starting quarterbacks in the National Football League make. You're talking about $35, $40 million a year. So I'm going to trade assets and make this guy my starter when I don't even know if he could walk, let alone lead my offense up and down the field. That's number one why the Dak Prescott trade discussion is a waste of time. It's just something that's not happening. But once again, you need to make stories. I would focus more on Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold being traded from the Jets is a legitimate possibility. The Jets got the number two overall pick. Are they going to take a quarterback? Are they going to trade that pick? Maybe trade down and uh, upgrade the team around Sam Darnold? Sam Darnold might very well be traded. And in fact, he didn't get the most ringingest of endorsements the other day when the Jets basically said that they're going to listen to offers for Sam Darnold. You don't go out there public and say you're listening to offers for your quarterback if you're committed to that quarterback being the one that's going to lead your offense down the road. So stop with the Russell Wilson trade proposals and matching them up to any team. He's staying in Seattle. Stop with the Dak Prescott trade proposals. He's going to be back with Dallas this year. Now, one thing that does make sense for both the team and the player would be a Dak Prescott extension with the Dallas Cowboys. Now, the Cowboys are privy to the most medical information in regards to his leg and his ankle. So they know right now if the expectation is for Dak Prescott to make a full recovery and the reports that you hear is that he probably will. So all of that being said, now is a time where you negotiate a contract extension. For Dak's perspective, here's a guy that, who knows? You know, after an injury like that, who, who knows if you're ever going to play football again? Guaranteed money would be pretty big right now. And the Cowboys get the chance to lower his salary for this upcoming season. And it's you may say, hey, that's not fair. You may say, oh man, how could you end up losing money if you end up getting hurt? We, we know that football is an evil game. We've seen great players sign long-term contracts and there's a reason that a lot of these contracts are not guaranteed. If a player gets hurt, if a player suffers a career-ending injury, they no longer get paid especially if there's nothing guaranteed and you know about different clauses that could allow teams to pay players over a larger amount of time to keep against the salary cap. But Dak Prescott in an unfortunate situation got a horrific injury. And because of that, you know, who knows if he's going to play again? Odds are he probably will. But this is why it makes sense for the Dallas Cowboys to come up with an extension. You can lower the cap number for this year. You can build some better players around Dak. Because, by the way, there are few teams in the NFL that are going to have more expected from them than the Dallas Cowboys. Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones are going to be looking at this team and its performance like a hawk. If Dak Prescott is healthy, Mike McCarthy is going to be expected to coach. Ezekiel Elliott and Amari Cooper and C.D. Lamb are going to be expected to play. You look at the NFC East, the worst division in football last year, the Washington football team winning the division. You got the Giants and the Eagles. There's uncertainty there. The Giants, 
things might be looking a little better. Year number two with Joe Judge as your head coach. You know, is Daniel Jones the quarterback of the future? Saquon Barkley is going to be healthy. The Giants get another high draft pick, perhaps a way to upgrade their team a little bit. The Eagles are starting over, probably drafting a quarterback to compete with Jalen Hurts. You know, Doug Peterson, the Super Bowl winning head coach, is no longer there. You know, Carson Wentz is about to get set to go under center for the Indianapolis Colts. That division should lead to the Cowboys being the favorites if their team comes back in the form that it was coming into last year. The one thing that got in their way is their quarterback getting hurt. Expectations are going to be that the Dallas Cowboys are going to have a winning season and make the playoffs this year. So saving some money by giving Zach Prescott a longer-term extension, maybe guaranteeing a little more over a longer term to keep the salary cap number down for this year would help them build a better team and would help them answer the serious questions that they have this year as the pressure is on them to succeed. A little bit of a recap of the show today, and as always, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. This is the Past Ball Show brought to you by JohnPLA.com, by St. Aloysius Church in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. So we started out talking about the Universal DH. It's not coming to the National League. And there's a lot of people are going to wake up this morning and you're shocked over it. You're like, oh, my God, pitchers are really going to be hitting in the National League. Yet you decided intentionally to ignore the statement that Major League Baseball made earlier in the offseason, right after the World Series. They told the National League teams to operate as if there is not going to be a DH in the NL in 2021. Where were you when that happened? Apparently, you weren't listening. This wasn't going to happen anyway. The expanded playoffs, yes, that was something that could be negotiated. But now, if you're a team in Major League Baseball, you know the rules. Team, you know, games in an NL ballpark are going to have the pitchers hitting. You got the playoffs that are set for the three division winners in each league. Two wild card spots. I think that's tough for a team like the Mets, who I think are on the borderline. I don't think they're winning the NL East. They're going to be in competition with Washington and San Diego. And they got to they got to finish ahead of one of those teams. Talked about the rules as they apply to spring training. And it's only going to be another 10 days or so. Nine days, I think. Today's the fourth, right? So it'll go through the 13th. Where a pitcher, you can take a pitcher out of a game and put him back in. Which, like I said, that doesn't mean very much. doesn't impact the game. I don't think anybody cares about that. But you can actually tactically take a pitcher out with the bases loaded and one out if they've thrown over 20 pitches. You could end the inning. You could end that team's opportunity to score and probably compromise what could be the final score of that game. And once again, you say scores don't matter in preseason. Scores don't matter in spring training. Why are we keeping score anyway? Maybe it's time that we actually consider not keeping score of spring training baseball games because it's turned into such a charade. Before we go today, since I have a Pulp Fiction shirt on, I'm going to quote Samuel L. Jackson from Pulp Fiction. The path of the righteous man is beset on all sides by the inequities of the selfish and the tyranny of evil men. Blessed is he who, 
in the name of charity and goodwill, shepherds the weak through the valley of darkness, for he is truly his brother's keeper and the finder of lost children. And I will strike down upon thee with great vengeance and furious anger those who attempt to poison and destroy my brothers. And you will know my name is the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon thee. We'll be back with you on Saturday. God bless you. And as always, I'll see you on the other side.